Thank you, Allie. Stand with me, church. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit guiding us, directing us, teaching us, instructing us. We pray, Father God, that our hearts would be open and receptive to the truth of your holy word, my God. I pray, Holy Spirit, prepare our hearts to hear from you. Prepare our hearts to receive from you, my God, that we might go beyond just simply being hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And I thank you now for your touch. Possess my soul, Holy Spirit. Possess my soul, Holy Spirit, and guide my words as I pray that anything that I speak, anything that I say, would certainly be encouraging to your people this morning and favor would be found upon them blessing would be found upon them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I give you praise glory and honor through Christ our righteous King and Savior and all of God's people said together in agreement amen, amen. and amen hallelujah we have our word of life confession hallelujah make it a part of your life Speak it from your heart. Here we go. Jesus, be glorified in my life. Holy Spirit, I welcome your presence. My heart is open to receive the ever-living, never-changing Word of God. The Word that is changing my life, healing my body, setting me free. My faith is growing and I am living in the favor of my God. I declare it. I believe it. I receive it by faith. For I am blessed again. One more. I am blessed in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give him one more praise, church. Hallelujah. My heart is just moving in so many different directions this morning in preparing the message and even working with the... Uh, the message last night into this morning, um, something else seemed to be laid upon my heart that I want to share with you, and, and uh, because we understand it, we know that the world seems to be in turmoil, of course, with the trouble over in Israel and the, uh, um, the terrible, terrible devastation that is taking place over there that has taken place. We're, I'm sure you're like me, wondering, is this it? Is this starting to wind things down? Are we on the very verge of the return of Jesus Christ? And it could be very possibly so. But something that I want you to do is keep your eye on Damascus. Israel said if Hezbollah gets involved from Lebanon and from Syria, which they are already firing rockets into Israel... And if they launch a full-scale attack against Israel, Israel has determined to level Damascus, to level Damascus. Damascus is in Syria. Well, listen to what the scripture says in Isaiah chapter 17, verse 1. Behold, the prophet Isaiah, Damascus will cease from being a city and it will be a ruinous heap. Keep your eyes on Damascus. But along with that also, over in 
Matthew chapter 25. I wrote some things down because it really touched my heart recently that there is a warning that needs to go out to the people of God concerning the 20 or the uh, in Matthew 25 the 10 virgins five wise five foolish and I wrote some of the statistics down concerning that just to bring it to you and then we'll get into the message for today but I believe that the Lord prompted me through his Holy Spirit to send out, especially since we're online in this service, our people here in the sanctuary, all, all were virgins. Please get this into your heart. All 10 were virgins. That means that they were separated, sanctified, set apart, holy unto the Lord. Secondly, they all had oil signifying the Holy Spirit was working or had worked within their lives. They all had oil. Thirdly, they were all waiting for the bridegroom to come. Who's the bridegroom? The Lord Jesus Christ, waiting for his return. They're aware of it. They're knowledgeable concerning the return of Christ. All were sleeping. And I don't believe that that means that they were in a spiritual slumber, but they were just simply living life, living life, acknowledging their love for the Lord Jesus Christ, but living life. All of them heard the shout. All 10 heard the shout. The bridegroom is coming. They all, at that point, all 10 began to trim their lamps to cause their light to shine brighter. But this is where the separation comes. Five of them did not have enough oil. What does that mean? They were not ready. They were not prepared for when the bridegroom would come. Remember, the bridegroom had not come yet. Only the shout or the warning that the bridegroom was coming. But five of them had plenty enough oil. In other words, their lives had been sustained by the power of God and the Spirit of God. They were living for Jesus, loving Jesus. But five of them were foolish and they were running out of oil. In other words, they were not ready for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I heard a message just yesterday. A pastor was preaching about the events that are taking place over in Israel, the Middle East. And he made a statement that really caught my attention because I wondered why did the scriptures, why did Jesus say five wise and five foolish? Why did he say 50% of the virgins were not ready for the return of the bridegroom? And it puzzled me. I don't believe that the Lord would just simply throw out a number that would be insignificant. He threw that number out for a reason. And when I heard this preacher last night say this, 45% of born again Christians have drifted away from the things of God or specifically from the church. 45%, I don't know where he got that statistic, where he got those figures, I don't know. 
But I know this, that Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians, that in the latter days, many will depart from the faith. They're drifting away. They become cold, indifferent, even lukewarm in their relationship with Christ. Some of you here this morning may be struggling with your relationship with Christ. Perhaps the things of the world are pulling at you. And you're finding yourself drifting away from the passion that you once had for the Lord Jesus Christ. I speak to you and I speak to those that are listening to me online. I believe the Spirit of God has moved me to give a warning. That if we are at the advent of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in the clouds of glory, are you ready? Will you hear the shout? And will you respond? The warning will come. People will begin to prepare in order that their lights could be bright. But it was too late. They had drifted away. And when the bridegroom came, he took the five wise virgins with him while the other five were out endeavoring to get oil to once again renew their relationship with God. But while they were out getting oil, the bridegroom came, took the five wise virgins. The others came back and desired relationship with God, but it was too late. It was too late. But what happens to these five foolish virgins what happens to them because they were are virgins they did have oil in their lamp just not enough they allowed the influence of the world to overtake them what happens to them I believe that they will go into the tribulation period and revelation chapter 20 verse 4 tells us that they will have to sacrifice their lives in order to follow after Jesus Christ. They refuse the mark of the beast. They refuse to worship the beast. And because of that, the Bible says they were beheaded for their faith. Are we on the threshold of receiving, experiencing the second coming of our Lord and Savior. These are serious times. Serious times. And I want to encourage you. If you've ever. Ever been passionate for the things of God. Be passionate now. Amen. Be passionate now. It could be winding down church. I don't know. I don't want to cry wolf. When perhaps the time is not yet. But in my lifetime, I haven't seen such an escalation of world powers gathering together. I haven't seen such hate demonstrated in our streets. People hating a race of people just simply because of who they are, how they were born. And the radical Muslims have determined within their own hearts and made a commitment and a dedication to annihilate every Jew that they could possibly encounter. To wipe Israel off the face of the earth. But I tell you this, 
Israel will not be defeated. God has his hand on Israel. They will suffer loss and there will be damage and there will be issues that will arise, but Israel will not be defeated. There is going to be a mighty, powerful move of the Spirit of God throughout Israel. I believe it with all my heart. Paul even prayed, I wish that all Israel will be saved. And I tell you, something powerful, magnificent, wonderful, glorious, and spiritual is going to happen in Israel. Keep your eye on Damascus, for it is a fulfillment of prophecy in Isaiah chapter 17. I think the reason that the Spirit of God wanted me to share that with you initially before I move into my message is because so much of my message or a lot of my message will center around the five wise and the five foolish virgins. Our text for today is found in Genesis chapter 13, verse 1. Then Abram, or Abraham, went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had. Lot went with him, and they went to the south. Actually, that means the southern part of Canaan, the southern part of the promised land. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold, and he went on his journey from the south or the south from or into the southern part of Canaan and continued to journey northward to Bethel. Bethel is north of Jerusalem to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai to the place of the altar which he had made there at first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord his God. Abram was very rich. God had blessed him and blessed him and blessed him. And there were reasons why God had richly blessed Abraham. I think the first thing that we see is that Abraham left Egypt. Egypt is typology of the world. Typology of the world. Abraham left Egypt. Abraham being a type of the Christian, Egypt being a type of the world. The ways of the world, the mentality of the world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17 is such a powerful portion of scripture relating to the things of the world. Listen to it in the Passion Translation. Don't set the affections of your heart on this world or in loving the things of the world. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. So many Christians want to emulate the world, be like the world, accepted by the world. If you are a lover of God, if your life is surrendered, yielded to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you will be an enemy of the world. The world will not accept you. They may speak well to your face, but your very presence brings conviction to them, conviction of their lifestyle, conviction of their sin because of the Spirit of God that's within you. 
The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible for all that the world can offer us. Gratification of our flesh, the allurement of the things of the world, the obsession with status and importance. None of these things come from the Father, but from the world. This world and its desires are in the process of passing away. But those who love to do the will of God live forever. Live forever. Why is it we as Christians at times want to emulate the world? The reason being, oftentimes we allow a mindset of the world to encompass us, to grip our lives. No one likes rejection. But there is a line that God has drawn that you're either on the side of righteousness or unrighteousness. And that line is becoming clearer and clearer and clearer day by day. We emulate the world because we have a mindset of the world. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, do not be conformed to this world or the mindset of this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The renewing of our minds. The scriptures tell us to let this mind be in you, this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Why is it that we feel that we have to emulate the world, be like the world, be accepted by the world? I understand that fashions and styles, there's nothing wrong with that. But when fashions and styles begin to promote that which is contrary to the word of God in lewdness and nakedness. The world tells us today that skin is in. And unfortunately, that very mindset is creeping into the church. I encourage you, mothers and fathers, don't allow your children to go out of the house half naked. Stand your ground in holiness and righteousness. Years ago, perhaps you've heard me say this, years ago with my son Nathan, I come home and it was when the sag look was in. Your pants would sag halfway down your butt and your underwear would be showing. And I come home and I saw that. I said, son, you have one of two choices. You either go up and put a belt on or you change your pants. But the sag look doesn't go around here. That's the way of the world, but it's not the way of this household. And for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. I encourage you, challenge your children. They may not appreciate it initially, as my son Nathan did not appreciate it initially, but I think he turned out okay. That wasn't very strong. <laughs> Abraham went up or departed from Egypt, but in leaving Egypt, he had a destination. 
A lot of Christians, they know that they need to serve the Lord, yield their lives over to the Lord Jesus Christ completely. I understand that. I know that. I know I need to get it together. I know I need to put off worldliness. I know I need to put off things that are contrary to the word of God. So I ask you, when will you start? Do you have a destination? Where are you going? Where are you heading, Christian? Is your focus on the kingdom of God? Is your focus to develop passion for the Lord Jesus Christ? What will you leave as a legacy to your family if Jesus tarries? When I would go out and visit the graves of my mom and dad, I would find myself interested by other grave markers. And I actually enjoyed walking around the cemetery looking at different grave markers because images that would be on the grave markers would give you a little glimpse into the life of that individual. Some of the things you would see would be military markings, Perhaps sports markings, race cars, motorcycles, family images, hunting, fishing, various occupations, some religious convictions, religious signs on the grave markers. What will be your tombstone testimony if Jesus tarries? One particular tombstone said, I told you I was sick. I have a little poem that I've read on various occasions at funerals. It's called The Dash. Maybe you've heard of it. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates to be placed on his stone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth then spoke of the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time they spent alive on earth and now only those who love them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel, to be less quick to anger and show appreciation more, and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's action to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say and how you lived your dash? Abraham left Egypt and he headed north into the Negev, into the promised land. Canaan, 
on his journey to Bethel. He passes through the Negev Desert. This is the very desert where Israel saw the miraculous hand of God meeting their needs, feeding them, caring for them, giving them victory over their enemies in the Negev Desert. It's an amazing thing because we all want to live comfortable lives, all of us. It's difficult when we have challenges and hardships, temptations in life. But I tell you, church, sometimes God shows up in most, the most powerful ways in the most difficult situations. I think about Israel cowered in the rocks from the Philistines and their giant. But God, God showed up in a shepherd boy with a sling and a stone and defeated the armies of the Philistines. I think how Jerusalem was surrounded by the Assyrians and how the king of Assyria mocked the God of Israel. And God shows up as the angel of the Lord and slays 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. I think of three Hebrew children that were taken in captivity in Babylon. And they were told to bow to the world system and to King Nebuchadnezzar. And if they would not bow, they would burn. And God showed up when they were thrown into the furnace, God shows up as the fourth man in the fire and they were totally, totally unharmed by the fire. I think of another man by the name of Daniel who was dearly beloved of Almighty God. And because he would not bow to the system that told him he could not pray to any other God, but only to the king. And if he would not comply to that command, he would be thrown into the lion's den. And Daniel continued to pray to his God and was thrown into the lion's den. You know the story. God shows up and shuts the mouths of the lions. The disciples were in a boat in the midst of a terrible storm. God shows up walking on the water and says, peace be still, peace be still. I tell you, God can show up in the midst of the most difficult, most difficult situations in your lives. The world is imploding. Antichrist is set to appear and God's judgment is ready to be poured out when all of a sudden God shows up in the clouds of glory and God's people rise in resurrection power. God shows up in some of the most desperate, desperate times. Some of you here today, you may be at wit's end. You may be depressed, oppressed. You may be feeling rejection, shame. You're struggling. I tell you, hold on to the promises that God has given you. God is about to do a miraculous thing in your life. God, I tell you, is about to show up 
if you're willing to open your heart and cry out unto him and watch how his delivering hand will set you free. I ask you, I challenge you, trust him in the storm. Trust him in the storm, church. Last week I had shared with you how necessary, how important it is that to have victory in your soul for victory in your soul will usually most likely reflect victory in your life. Victory in your life. For the scripture that we started off in this series, may you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. We could say poverty in your soul brings poverty in your life. And when I say poverty, I'm not certainly just referring to financial aspects and issues. I'm referring to all sorts of issues that come in life. If you have a victorious overcoming attitude within your soul, within your heart, there is nothing that you will face that you can't overcome with the power of the Spirit of God working through you. But if you allow fear to take hold of you, if you allow anxiety and worry and anguish to take hold of you, you're canceling out the power of God within your life. Faith can either work for you or it can work against you. What do you have faith in? Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ or faith in the world system? I tell you, for each and every one of us, the world will fail us, but God will never fail us. Never, 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 never fail us. We have poverty in our soul when we're full of anxiety, full of worry, full of fear, full of unforgiveness, full of bitterness, full of sin. We have anxiety. We have poverty in our soul. John says, may you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Please hear me, church. Please hear me. In order to prosper within your soul, you need a word from God. You need a word from God. Now you have the word and chances are many of you are reading the word daily or at least throughout several times throughout the week. You're reading the word. You hear preaching from the word. Everyone in here this morning is hearing everyone watching online. You're hearing the word. But God wants to take the word and give you a specific word. It will go from logos or the all-encompassing word of God to a specific rhema word for you. How does this work? The scripture tells us in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word logos. The all-encompassing word of God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We see over in Luke chapter 5 where Jesus challenges Peter and he says to him, launch out where it's deeper in the water and cast your nets down. Peter, endeavoring to rationalize this whole thing, says, Lord, we've fished all night. We've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, at your rhema, because you spoke it directly to us, we've received it. 
It was a rhema word coming from the logos word. You see how that works. You can read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, that by his stripes we are healed. And that can mean basically a generality to you. But someone is going to take that, take hold of it. It's going to become a rhema word to them. And it's going to bring results into their lives. And they're going to see the power of God demonstrated. They've read it many, many times. You know what I'm talking about. You've read the word many, many times in scriptures that you have truly indeed enjoyed. But all of a sudden they came off the page and they became so special and so real to you. That was a rhema word. God was speaking into your heart. A new revelation that I saw in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes when you get a rhema word from God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the rhema, not logos, rhema word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema word of God. Logos does not necessarily produce faith. Rhema will produce faith. When these things are stirring within your heart, it becomes personal to you. And you hold on to that word, regardless of what you see, regardless of what you feel, regardless of what you're being told. You hold on to that word because God spoke that rhema word into your heart and you're not allowing it to be stolen from you. Unfortunately, this is where many people begin to lose their healing. They allow a rhema word to now eventually drift into a logos word. And the enemy will take advantage of that because faith shows up through the rhema word. That's what Paul said, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and you are able to hear by a rhema word. It's not the Logos word that produces faith. It's the rhema word that produces faith is what the scripture says. It's so important to read the word of God. But why do you read the word of God? In order that God can bring forth a rhema word into your life. And that rhema word will move you. That rhema word will keep you. That rhema word will sustain you. Regardless of what you're feeling in your body. Regardless of what the report was. You have a rhema word, not a logos word, which is wonderful, but a rhema word is specifically revealed by the Spirit of God to you, to you. And you hold on to that. Don't be moved by anything else that endeavors to steal that away from you. You begin to rationalize the rhema word. Well, this word is for everybody. Yes, it is. But it oftentimes only becomes specific to a few, to a few, to a few. Because their hearts are so apt 
open, receptive to the truth of God's word. They don't read the word out of tradition. They read the word out of necessity. Necessity. I've got to have the word in my life. I have to have the word activated within my life, working within my life in order that my passion, love for the Lord Jesus Christ will continue to grow stronger and stronger and stronger. For some of you, some people have heard the message of salvation time and time and time again. And they've heard the Logos word of God. But when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that Logos all-encompassing word became Rhema to you. And what did you do? You responded to it. You yielded your life to Jesus Christ. And you became born again. You became born again when that word became specific to you. People that are watching online, perhaps a number of you, you've allowed your relationship with Jesus to grow cold and indifferent. But I challenge you today, I challenge you today to truly indeed allow the Spirit of God to search your heart. See if you've become cold and indifferent to the things of God. Perhaps you feel everything's fine just because you're reading your Bible. You're reading your Bible, and it's all logos to you. But I tell you today, you need a rhema word from Almighty God because that is what's going to move you from the realms of the natural to the realms of the supernatural. In Jesus' name. Can you receive it today, church? I pray you can. Stand with me if you would. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I pray that your people have been challenged, never condemned, challenged, my God, challenged by the truth of the word of God. I pray, Father God, that the Holy Spirit would continue to move mightily within our lives. And anyone within the sound of my voice, truly indeed that the Spirit of God is speaking to them concerning their relationship with Jesus Christ, if they become indifferent to the things of God, They've allowed themselves to become the five foolish virgins. I pray, Father God, that today is going to make a difference within their lives. There's going to be a renewing. There's going to be a rhema word that is set on fire within their hearts and within their spirit today, my God, in the name of Jesus Christ. And I thank you for your promises. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that brings insight, understanding, and truth to this word in Jesus awesome name we pray and all of God's people said together in agreement amen. amen and amen can you give him one more praise church hallelujah I love you so much I pray no one felt condemned in any way by what I was sharing you still love me church I pray so I love you dearly we love you dearly enough to share with you the truth to be a, ch a child of God who is uncompromising 
uncompromising in Jesus' awesome name. Amen. Let's give a shout of victory on three. Hey, guys, don't forget, you can still get your gatekeeper tickets for this coming Thursday. I believe it is, right? This Thursday. Thursday night, I think it starts at 6.30. All right, barbecue, going to have a great time of fellowship and some testimonies. going to be a wonderful time. Come on out. Okay, and let me see, ladies night, Thursday night also meeting. So that should about do it. Wednesday night service, Pastor Sheldon has been knocking it out of the park with his teaching on the armor of God. Here we go, one, two, three, hallelujah. God bless you, dear ones. Have a wonderful, wonderful day in the Lord Jesus. Be blessed, be a blessing.